0: Welcome to the podcast of ideas. This is a recording of the debate, The Life of Brian at 40, Are We More Easily Offended Today?, which took place at the Battle of Ideas Festival on Saturday, the 2nd of November 2019. Apologies in advance for the audio quality, which is rather variable. If you're easily offended, please be warned, there's plenty of robust language in this recording, but there is a sing song at the end. Hello, everybody! Hi! Hi! Hello! Hi, it's hello. so intimate here, it's so... It's,
1: so it's, a, it's a little bit close to us. <laughs> it's a little intimate. It's a bit
0: it's a, to be honest, a, it's a unplugged after some of the stadium up. gigs elsewhere in this, this uh, particular establishment. So hello, welcome to this session, The Life of Brian at 40, Are We More Easily Offended Today? I, I'm Rob Lines. I'm Science and Technology Director at the Academy of Ideas, one-time stand-up comedian and composer of such songs as Make Your Daughter Wear a Helmet, Mrs. Farrell, and Why Can't the Humans Die Out. Just, I'm just trying to build up some cred, because I've got a very sort of like funny panel of people t- tonight. Uh, anyway, so uh, I was watching The Life of Brian earlier this year, and I thought, God, it must be about 40 years since that came out. And I was very delighted to learn that, for the purposes of this festival, it was um, released in the UK on the 8th of November 1979, so perfect opportunity. And it was a very yeah. It was clearly had, had its problems at the time. For those of you who don't know much about the the making of it, that the funding it was supposed to be made by EMI. EMI was supposed to be uh, providing the, the the money for it. And then at the last minute, the head of EMI, Lord Chalfont, actually read the script and went, "Oh shh." Anyway, <coughs> so uh, he dropped it, and then they had no money to make this this film. Um, and then the business manager of the Pythons. Uh, New George Harrison and George Harrison basic, and his business manager basically put their—I think they put their houses up for remortgaging or something—to get the money together uh, to, uh, to to make the film. And Harrison said famously he funded it because he wants to see it, yeah. which is a, a lovely a line. Mm-hmm. Um, it attracted considerable controversy at the time. Banned or given an X certificate. In 39 UK local authorities. It was completely banned in Ireland and Norway. It's actually advertised in Sweden as so funny they banned it in Norway. Um,
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's, it's also regarded as one of the greatest film comedies of the time. You think now, like the, things, the things that were controversial. Maybe wouldn't have been... Con- well, anyway, we'll talk about what's controversial or not. Anyway, fast forward 40 years. Christianity is now regarded as... seems fair game for comedy. I mean, it seems like very un- un- uncontroversial. Whereas other c- topics now are considered as verbatim. So, example, would the censors balk at the wannabe transsexual stan slash Loretta? Um, or the uh, the jokes about um, stammers? Or uh, the pythons wearing blackface? You know, we live in interesting times when, like... Uh, paul hollywood can feel like he has to apologize for making a joke about cakes and diabetes then you know there's a lot of sensitivities going on so i thought this would be a great opportunity to talk about get a bit of historical perspective on 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 these issues of comedy and offense so uh, let me introduce the panel in no particular order because um, they're not going to speak in any particular order we're going to have a conversation about it so if i'll just go left or right. So Simon Evans has been a comedian for over 20 years. He's on the telly and radio quite a bit, but there's a regular panellist and on Radio for The News Quiz. He also hosts and lectures on Simon Evans Goes to Market, a comedic look at, at economic issues. He has is dashed through w- foul weather to get here today. So thank you, Simon. <laughs> Next to Simon is Andy Shaw. He's the co-founder and organiser of London's Free Speech Comedy Club, Comedy Unleashed. And he also writes spoofs for the spectator, including 10 Steps on Becoming a New Progressive and A Guide to Left-Wing People for the (laughs) (laughs) Um, Under-Tens. Next to me is Anne McElhenney. She is a New York Times bestselling author, journalist, film producer, director, podcast host and one of the most successful crowdfunders in the world. Her credits include Frack Nation, Gosnell, FBI, Lovebirds, Undercover and many more. She's also the co-host of the Anne and Phelan Scoop. On my immediate right is Ria Lina. Ria has been entertaining both UK and international audiences with her dry wit and social commentary comedy songs for over 10 years, as well as a fine performer in her own right. She's also an excellent MC, and if you go along to Comedy Unleash, you'll often see her uh, MCing and what very, uh, a very good job she does too. Uh Prior to becoming a full-time comedian, Rhea worked in viral bioinformatics research at UCL before retraining in forensics and working for the Serious Fraud Office as an IT forensic investigator. We always have to have a token IT forensics <laughs> investigator on the panel, <laughs> so thanks, Rhea for... Thanks
2: for <laughs>
0: I'm fine. On my far right, Dr. Joel Nathan Rosen is associate professor of sociology and anthropology at Moravian College, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. He's author, among other things, of *The Erosion of the American Sporting Ethos: Shifting Attitudes Towards Competition*. He's also a Python fan, and he actually, he was telling me last night in, over a drink how comedy is becoming. He's not really starting to think about comedy as a research topic um, in, in in his work. So, um, can we can we welcome the panel, please? just jump in, panel, Whenever many of you want to speak and you feel you've got something to say. So the first question I wanted to ask was, just to get the ball rolling, was what do you think the life of Brian is about? Because there seems to be a lot... Obviously, the, the, the people who were banning it had one view of it, and other people have other views. Just what do you think it's about as a film? Anybody want to start? And Andy, we'll yeah.
3: start with that. Yeah, well, I think... I mean, I, I would just quote what John Cleese said about it himself, which is when they were accused of blasphemy... I mean, it's worth remembering that they opened up Life of Brian in New York because of the blasphemy laws in the UK. There was still the... Um, Uh, uh, issue around uh, gay times and and the the centurion um, giving Jesus a blowjob if I remember rightly, and that was still working its way through, Uh, you know, the blasphemy laws were on statute, and so they opened it up in New York, but what John Cleese said is, this film is not blasphemous because it doesn't attack religion it is heretical because it attacks dogma and I think that's why the film is so... And that's why, again, I watched it again a couple of weeks ago to sort to, to of refresh myself with this, this debate. It is 40 years ago, and it feels absolutely fresh. Mm-hmm. And, and because the, it's not attacking a target which is dated, it is attacking unthinking dogma. Uh, whether it's, uh, you know, it, it, it's the shoe, the shoe. No, 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 we must, we must gather the shoes. The gauze, the
4: gauze. It's, it, you know, from that
3: all the way through to, I mean, interestingly, the, the, the Loretta, you mentioned the Loretta sketch when Stan said, one of them says, Stan, why are you always going about women? And he said, Well, well because I want to be a woman. Well, why do you want to be a woman, Stan? Well, I want to have babies. You can't have babies babies? And, you know, what are you going to do, is going to gestate in a box? And it's just, And then they come to this compromise, which is, uh, I can't remember a name now. and she, and she said oh, I've got an idea, I've got an idea, it, 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 what we should do is, is, is fight for Stan, sorry, sorry Loretta's um, right to have babies, uh, even though you're unable to have babies, and, and you think okay well what's the target of that joke? Is it Stan, poor Stan, who wants to have babies, yeah, it's quite a sweet thing for anyone, including a man perhaps. But it's not the target of the joke. Is is that actually the the the, the popular front for the liberation of Palestine, or whichever one? No, (laughs) it (laughs) wasn't. Wasn't Is 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 trying to contort what Stan says into their ideology, however absurd what this guy is just saying. They, they they can turn it into a question of fighting against the oppression of Can I come in right? on that yeah, and, yeah, it's, yeah. and it's that sorry, it, it, it's just that that's the joke. And and I think one of the questions it, which we can get onto is how that joke would be perceived now. But the joke is not about Stan. It's not about Stan Monikterbeg, it's about this group just will control any absurdity into a dogmatic way of thinking. And go I on. think that's what
0: the film's right, all about. Go
1: I th- I think I, I actually think that, you know, you asked this question earlier, you know, what's this life of brain about? I think it's a fucking prophecy. <laughs> right? Because and, I, right, and, and particularly on this on this particular thing, so I re-watched it and I thought, this <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> exactly. No, but on this stand thing, you know, I want to be called Loretta, and you know <laughs> where it goes and how it ends. How that bit ends is incredible, you know. What's the point in fighting for his right to have babies if he can't have babies? And it goes back and back and back, and it's it's symbolic of our fight against depression. And it goes back and back and back, and then. John Cleese is the last line. He said it's symbolic of his struggle with reality. (laughs) (laughs) But here's what I think is amazing. It's uh, this is like almost, you know, it's almost the miracle of the life of Brian. Because let's fast forward 40 years, and you you may know that in the United States of America they're having this election, and there are these Democrats who have very interesting ideas, including one of them who is called Julian Castro. And I shit you not, this is what he has just said. And you know, just because a woman, or let's not forget, someone in the trans community, a trans female, is poor, doesn't mean they shouldn't have the right to exercise that right to choose. So I absolutely would cover their right to have an abortion.
2: <laughs>
1: so I actually think and this is straight, I mean this is a straight man, right? He's selling this story as you know, and and everyone is in the audience. And if any of you could help me work that one out, how they are going to be uh, helping with that? So I actually think there's a prophes- prophetic aspect to this because there's—I th- mean, actually, I'm actually kind of at the beginning when I was thinking about this, I think, and I'm being a bit, uh, on, you know, a bit on serious. But it just shows you how brilliant these people were. Yeah. John, please. Forty years ago, he predicted that people would talk this shit seriously. <laughs> Sorry That's
4: for the walk in the room. Simon, <laughs> it's very interesting, isn't it? That um, without any particular sort of goading or organising principle, we have zero in on the trans issues. <laughs> yeah. you know, Sorry. No, no, don't apologise. I mean, I think it's very telling. It was, Andy, Andy sort of went through it, and it, it was obviously on your mind as well. Partly because that is today's hot issue, and partly because Christianity has become utterly irrelevant in the last yeah. 40 years, and no longer feels like a target worthy of satire. Mm-hmm. Right. It is sad, really. <laughs> and I felt a certain amount, listening to the... Um, Tim Rice hosted discussion which you referenced, Andy, with Muggeridge and the Bishop of South London attacking the movie. At the time, I remember thinking, oh, you ridiculous old fossils, get off that coat and get out of the way. Here comes the future. Now I can't help feeling a certain amount of ambivalence about Mm -hmm. their... their horror at the desecration of the founding principles of a civilization which had endured for two thousand years
5: (laughs) (laughs) to fall around our knees Uh well I just I saw that I saw that interview recently and I didn't feel so much sorry for the vicar I thought he was fascinating he never seemed to answer questions he spoke about how this is what Anne was I think part of the presaging of, of Cleese and the others he continued to reference how it was making him feel, and then he would rattle off his CV, and then he would throw the question back, and having never actually gotten anywhere. But what I find, and I, I just, I watched the movie a couple of days ago as well, and I thought, you know, save for, you know, the pubic hair, it actually holds <laughs> up well after. <laughs> But but in that same in that same interview, um, you know, with Cleese, uh, was it was a Cleese and, and Eric Idle, right? Uh, pilot, pilot, Martin, pilot, Palin, Martin yeah. Palin, of course. Um, boy, there was a, <laughs> methinks they doth protest a little bit too much, you know did you really mean to stick a finger in my eye? That's what the the, yeah. the, the two older fellows were saying, and, and mm. there was, they, oh, we didn't mean to offend. Well, of course you did. Mm. You know, So that part, I thought, was a little, was a little disingenuous. To be fair, though, part.
4: I think they weren't disingenuous in this respect. I don't think they genuinely intended to ridicule Christ, no. or his original yeah. message. It right. is, as you say, a matter, or you said, a matter of dogma, rather than, than mm-hmm. the... The, the divinity of Christ is up for discussion, anyway. But, right. but the the message that the man is, was not actually ridiculed. Much more, the target seemed to me the hysteria, the capacity of crowds to collectively, the emergent phenomena of of
5: conviction. And that's what that's where I was going to go. Uh, Frank Zappa once said <coughs> that when he was asked if he were prejudiced, I'm not prejudiced. I hate everybody, but I do so equally. <laughs> and, and, and to me, that's where this movie goes. It takes it takes a shot at everyone. There are no survivors. Yes, yeah. which is the way it should be. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. yeah I was, I, the reason I asked that question was because I did think it was a bit disingenuous the way that because uh, um, you can't, you, you can say we can we're not attacking Christ, but it is if you're saying you should question everything about that you know that you're being told by authority, that is a pretty serious attack on religion, on dogma in general, as mm-hmm. said, but. Um, how could, I mean? I, I, yeah, I suppose the question that everybody will ask at this stage as well is, but they wouldn't do that about Islam, <laughs> would they? I mean, it's is so funny
4: enough, Mugridge actually said so, which I was surprised forty yeah. years oh, ago. That's that. Yeah, that's true. is. Although he, he said, it, said it would be because we would uh, because we would endanger our access to oil rather
1: than <laughs> <our> <laughs> <animals>. <laughs> <Our> <laughs> yeah. rather than our heads, yeah. rather than access to our heads.
4: <laughs> so.
0: Um, uh, so the, 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 th- the thing that inspired me to have this session is, are we are, are we more censorious now than than we were forty years ago in a, with a film that was literally banned by the authorities? I mean, Rea, can I bring rear in at this stage? I mean, what's your experience about? of what you can and cannot say, <laughs>
2: uh,
0: or as you think, well, I'm just going to say it anyway and if I don't get the geeks of them, well, well, how, does, how does it work for you as a Canadian?
6: It's not a level playing field. Right. I can tell you that right now. It's not a level playing field. Um, to be blunt, I can get away with saying things that Simon can't, um, and that's because of the... Uh, it's because the, of my mother. Uh, yeah.
2: <laughs> yes.
6: Yes. Uh, yes, because your mother was white and mine is not. Um, and, and we... we I mean, what we had in Life of Brian 40 years ago was we had a large target. Um, I think that if they did make the Stan and Loretta scene nowadays, and as you said, if they had made more references to Islam, then we would see people that now are speaking up louder because of technology and everything else. Uh, perhaps being just as affronted as Christianity was forty years ago, but at the time the only people that did have a, a much larger voice and access to speaking out about these sorts of things was christianity, and that 's why they had such a huge offense but they didn 't speak on behalf of all of the issues and there as has already been mentioned, there were everybody was a target but Christianity was the one that that had the loudest voice. Now everybody has a voice. We have social media and everybody because of, of, uh, I I call it the selfie phenomenon, this idea of look at me um, all the time, means that everybody thinks that what they have to say and what they feel is just as important as everything else. And now we have to look at everybody's feelings about things. But um, feelings are feelings. Um, They're just feelings and your feelings change and your feelings can depend on whether you're hungry. and Your feelings can depend on how educated you are as to what you know, and if you're intelligent, your feelings will change according to what new information you acquire. But going back to your question about comedy, the fact is is that because of this inequality that we have, uh, and in the society that we are in right now, and I'm speaking mainly about uh the UK and, and maybe the white West if I can generalize that greatly, uh you will allow me to say things because you see me as an oppressed minority that you would not allow Simon to say. Um and therefore I have a much wider range of, of things that I get away with uh that, that, that perhaps Simon cannot.
2: And, uh,
4: <laughs> <laughs> I would say, just as a, from a technical point of view, and uh, just in terms of you know, professional approach to comedy, mm. there are workarounds with that. There, there is you know, prima facie a, a restriction on being a white male straight stand-up, but of course all you have to do is then satirise a white male straight man as I probably have been perceived to have been doing for 20 years, you know, even though I quite honestly and sincerely believe all the be appalling things I say, I manage to cope <laughs> with this thin veneer of irony and then I go, oh, it's terribly funny. He's uh, sat and sort of idiot who actually thinks those things. And so you manage to get it out there anyway. But, well, um, I
6: mean, well, it's a similar trick to, to mm-hmm. Brian and Life of Brian, isn't it? Is yeah, that you're yeah. there going, no, I believe this. And everyone's going, of course you don't. Yes. <laughs> isn't he funny? Yeah. Um, you know, but, 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 yeah, I mean, that is it. There is... There are workarounds. Uh, there are plenty of people that do do workarounds, and then there are plenty of people that play it that play it down the line and, and don't try to cause offense. Personally, I prefer I prefer to prod uh, because I prefer to think, and I think that prodding is thinking, and I think that's exactly what Life of Brian was. It was a conversation. The entire thing is a conversation, and if you were upset by Life of Brian, particularly in those times, that meant that you identified with the people that that were the butt of the joke. But there are plenty of us that watch that movie and go, huh, I'm not one of them, and didn't find offense. And that's what it comes down to: is how did you identify when you were watching that film? Did that film basically said if you blindly followed? I mean, you know, as I said, it was dogma. It was it was the fact that that through a series of accidental circumstance, somebody who wasn't the Messiah. Got seen as the messiah. I think that we see that all the time now. I mean, how many times have you looked at someone and gone, "Why are you famous? Like, why do so many people listen to you?" And it comes down to, "Oh, you have the time to put something on YouTube every week, okay?" Uh Uh, Rather than you have something to say every week or or whatever it might be.
0: Uh Ah,
6: Joe, it's not not a bit simpler than that. I mean, I I mean,
1: I, I, I speak for the plain people of Ireland. I think it was a comedy. And I think I think we I, I like the idea of just laughing at stuff like just laughing at stuff. I I think and I, and I don't haven't philosophically worked this out, but I, I love laughing, and I think it's like I think if you can say something and people laugh, it's like I don't, you're a, you're a fucking genius. Like you're like you deserve prizes. You, you cure cancer or whatever. And I think I think the idea of even analyzing humor is almost like. I don't think it was meant to be analysed. And I don't think the guys... I think it's a really funny story. Somebody who lived next door to Jesus you know, got into this funny situation. Yeah, he, you know, No one's saying he's Jesus. He lived next door or whatever, right? So it's like, I don't even see how there's even a reference to that. Um, but I mean, and I also think that we've come to an awful place. I think we've come to a really awful place where there's really no humour anymore. Mm-hmm. And I, I watch movies now, and I watch them, and they call them comedies. And I sit there and I think, oh my God. And I'm actually really into comedy. And I never laugh once, and I think... What was going on here? And what was fucking going on was that the people who wrote it spent forever trying not to offend people. Yeah. They didn't just do that, by the way. They paid consultants. There are woke consultants now who work on scripts in Hollywood. Planned Parenthood, for example, pay people to work with scriptwriters to get their message across. You know, maybe, ever, maybe oil sh- companies should have done that a million years ago. We wouldn't be in the disastrous situation we are now with Boris Johnson, the idiot, deciding to ban fracking. <laughs> yeah, way to move the place forward, but you know I just what about comedy? Whatever happened to comedy? why can 't we just laugh at stuff? Yeah. And there's loads of funny stuff. I mean i don 't know if you know this that happened last week in America. They did this really funny, you know memes, right? Jesus Christ, do we not know what a meme is at this stage? They did a meme of, of Trump putting a Medal of Honor on a dog, right it 's fucking hilarious. The New York Times and The Washington Post both wrote like really serious articles. And they had to find the origins of the meme. And they got in touch. I know the guy who did the meme. They got in touch with the guy who did the meme. And they were like, oh, what was your intention with the meme? Was this it's like, are you, have you lost? Are you a mentalist? Like, are you, a, you should be locked up. You shouldn't be allowed out in the street. You, should, you certainly shouldn't be allowed to have children. You should not be allowed out because you are irresponsible. You, have, you cannot work out humor. The, and, and by the way, if you look at the photo, photograph of the dog with the thing, you know, it's got paws on it. It's got pose on it, and by the way, the guy who got the Medal of Honor, where they did the Photoshop, he thinks it's great. And yeah. I think the dog is the dog that whatever saved the day when all they right. ki- they kill the bad guy. Yeah. Um,
5: Can we laugh was,
1: at stuff, please? Yeah.
5: Joel and then Andy. I'm, I'm sure Dankula appreciates that, and I, I really do. Um, there were a couple things. First of all, just uh, to, I have a reverse take on on what you're mm. saying about the lack of comedy. I think part of the reason comedy sort of falls flat is we we have no common historical roots now. We we have no we have no sort of narrative that cuts across cultures and, and age, ages and all the other different lines. Mm -hmm. Um, so for me, uh, I no longer have sort of a Latin-based approach to education. Mine is, can you get the joke? Can you tell the difference between satire and reality? And for those who saw that woman in New York go positively Jonathan Swift on AOC with that T-shirt. she was It was a town hall, and she wore a T-shirt that said, Eat, eat More Children. And, and she, she went at AOC and, and said, you know, I appreciate all you're doing for us environmentally, but the real problem is we need to start eating babies because we have too many, and the look on her face, like she didn't get that this wasn't either, this woman was a complete crackpot and you don't take questions from crackpots who wear shirts that say, eat more babies, or that it was was satirical and you don't really want to engage that if you want to look professional in front of your electorate. a the, the, the couple points. I want to draw this over to some other, a couple other pop cultural mentions, and I'm sure we'll get some, you know, harumphs in the room. There's that one. I, I purposely used the word harumph. There's that one moment in Blazing Saddles when Hadley Lamar is trying to a- acquire all the the mugs. Thugs and buggerers to go and raid Rock Ridge, and there is every conceivable nationality through history, including um, this is 19th century, so you have you know you have Mexican gang members on with the big handlebars mm-hmm. riding nothing, and and you have you know you have the, the the better ones on camelback, and of course the great you know World War II era German army back there, um, so it, it, it was. It, an interesting take on this, that instead of singling out one or two, let's put all the mugs, thugs, and buggerers out there. But I do think in some ways, you look at somebody like the Python, comedy like, like that of the Python, and of course my hero Richard Pryor, and you have to stop and wonder, is any of this even possible Unless somebody like Lenny Bruce records an album which he includes a track that says how to make your Negro friends feel at ease at a cocktail party. You know, which you never hear anymore, but it's absolutely one of the most. And it's poignant, and it's brilliant, but the fact that it's the words Negro friends is in the title, you never get past the title. But if you listen to it, it's actually, I have to imagine in the mid-50s, a lot of people were trying to find ways to sort of desegregate the cocktail party. They didn't know how. So here's a comic who's giving you handwritten instructions. Mm-hmm.
3: Okay. Andy? Yeah, I think I, I think good humor does take those areas where people everyone thinks about it but feels uncomfortable. Like the Lenny Bruce example you've given. You can you can really draw out great humor and and, and laughter is a social release. You know the old um, you know, the Irishman, the Scotsman, the Welshman, you know, jokes that people used to say 30 years ago were because Irishmen, Scotsmen, and Welshmen worked together on building sites. and they took the piss out of each other. But it was a social release. Uh, and actually, you know, if any any of them, uh, one of those who got attacked by anyone on the outside, they would have fought. They would have all fought together, you know. Yeah. So, so, you know, that laughter as a social release, so we can deal with very thorny issues that we all find difficult as a society to address are exactly those issues that we should be homing in on, and the comedians should be homing in on, and they're not. So you look at most comedy on television, and, and there's a thing of, you know, the establishment who pretends that they're not the establishment <laughs> are only allowing certain voices and certain viewpoints through. It is true and it's real, but that's not the real problem. The real, I, I think the real challenge as to why so much humour is just so utterly bland and boring is that there, isn't, there, there aren't enough people trying to deal with those difficult issues and, and following honestly what they feel in their heart is funny and making people laugh, I think it's the first thing. There aren't enough people just following their art. Fuck what people think, I'm just going to go and do it. And if it gets popular, it gets popular. If it not I'll find mm-hmm. something else to make people laugh. I think the second thing is that is that there there are there is there is so much comedy which is a bit like if you take something like the Mash Report or a lot of Mock the Week, it's very much like you've just heard it on the Today programme, plus wisecracks, mm-hmm. plus a punchline, mm. and and the lack of thinking mm. is, is is shocking. The, the, for good satire to work, you need to think in a heterodox way. You need to you need to attack it intellectually from a different place. So for example, the uh, uh, you know I mean the Greta Thunberg phenomenon to me <laughs> just makes me laugh all the time. Yeah. You know, she's on a world tour sponsored by Tesla. You know, she's just, I mean, the whole thing is utterly ludicrous, she, she lectures adults who, who, who quake and, and, and touch her, you know, she's like a messiah who's teaching them, and scorning them, the whole thing's utterly <laughs> fucking hilarious, where... The people ripping that stuff apart, nobody, and, and and the audience out there, for people who do, is absolutely massive. The social release that would come mm. from the ability for people to laugh—well, the person what we, we're all laughing at inside, but no one's articulating
1: in a human way. Why not though? Is, the is, person who's doing it, the person who is doing it, by the way, I think Dave Chappelle is, is pretty much there. Oh yes, yeah, yeah so yeah. I mean, but, I mean, he's he's, yeah, he's like doing he's doing stuff. And if anyone has seen the Netflix special, it's like. Wow! Wow! I thought that wasn't allowed anymore. I think, and and I, I kind of questioned why does Dave Chappelle get away with it, and and I think it's rather unfortunate. He has fuck off money. Yeah. That's how he but, gets away with it, but because he doesn't
5: I, get away with it. He's already being shunned.
1: He's, no, no, sh- he. Sorry, they, they filmed that. Oh, Netflix. Netflix put that up, and I can tell you, no one, nowhere is more woke than Netflix. He's, he's, they give Obama. He's, they give him a present. They give Obama a present of sixty million dollars. Do you think he goes to the office every day? I don't no, think so. And he's,
5: and he's talked about it. He's, it's but there. He has since the since the last one released. He has talked about this. That he has been. People are now walking past him instead of saying hello, Dave. They're just sort of—they don't want to be associated. I mean, He—he's—he's he's getting some of the heat, but to his credit, he—he d- he has fuck off. Money, but know so and I was, think the other—but actually, the other thing is, he, he wasn't
1: deplatformed. The fact that Netflix still have the show up there, where he does the thing about—I mean, stuff about Michael Jackson—is like, oh, whoa, wow. Like, I mean, by the way, anyone who hasn't seen it, um, it really is—I mean, it's well out there. I mean, it's really well out there. Right. It's fantastic.
0: Okay. Now you've all had a good chat. <laughs> Very good. Right, just pause. We're, we're now. I'm going to say prayer now. Is No, no, now. no. Yes, we're going to be angelus now. Um, <laughs> uh, um, what do you think? Just points, comments, anything like that? Oh, the slides, Great. Okay, I'm going to start at the front and work that way. So, yes.
7: I really like the, the way that you talked about comedy as social release, and I'm just wondering if the people who who like to. <clears throat> um, feel
8: outraged are also having some kind of social release, as a kind of collective yeah, yeah, yeah. outrage
7: that's yeah. almost maybe more pleasurable than the kind of social release of mm-hmm. comedy.
9: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. It yeah. takes mm-hmm. a lot of boxes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah.
9: What, what I find uh, uh, so shocking, I, I don't know what the rules are because I um, was a big friends I thought uh, hilarious, yeah. then I get told though somehow it was offensive, yeah. and I was thinking, how the hell was that offensive? Yeah. Uh, yeah. How, how was how Apparently. how was watching Friends offensive? I mm. always found it to be fun. Well, uh, actually,
6: um, I'll answer that. Uh, so Friends at the time, I mean, obviously mm. it's of its time, and if we look at it now, what we would see is, for example, which wouldn't, um, which is something I'm. interested in it was about six white friends and the only time there was any ever color in it is when Ross got a new girlfriend there was you know there was very little diversity in it for example Um, there was a scene where Joey and Chandler get stuck on the... No, Joey and Ross get stuck on the roof and they have to climb down and at some point the ladder uh, finishes and they have to climb and they have a whole conversation about whether they should be front to front or back to back and it's, a, and it's an, actually an incredibly homophobic scene. They're like, I don't want my face near your penis. It's like, I'm not going to stick it in your mouth. you know But, the, know but those know. kinds you of... Know, be
9: clear sorry. Uh, it's important. You don't find it funny mm-hmm. and you felt that it should have maybe... Ifiness, no, no, it was funny at black. the time. What well, I'm no, saying no, to you now. I still find it funny, sorry. I yeah, still fine. Find it funny. But what I'm and telling you is with funny. the current filter. Moved, I'm going to be slightly. <laughs> <laughs> um, the point is, it's also a very, very funny scene together where it's Watson and Chandler are caught sleeping together on a sofa. Yeah. And to me, yeah. I found it hilarious. It, to me, it wasn't anti-gay, it was just funny. Now, I'm it, not it, saying it, it's not funny now, no. I'm just explaining else. the
6: current just, filter well, as well, how it's used. your filter, no, it's not yeah. my filter. No, it's not my filter, I'm it's, saying...
9: It's, well, some people's filters, I say, some people's filters. Yeah, the and modern they, woke choose, Who chooses to find that offensive? Another interesting is Eddie Murphy. Um, Because Eddie Eddie Murphy back in the 80s, early 80s, he had a raw and delirious, and oh my God, he used to rip gays like it was going out of fashion. The things he said about gay people were, were, you could argue, very, very offensive. Um, but again, I found some of that comedy to be hilarious. Not just, and what he said about black people if it's okay because you're black, I found that I found that really, really funny. And I sometimes don't understand um, how who makes who makes these rules up, to when I am allowed to laugh and not allowed to laugh. Yeah.
0: Okay, right. I'll
8: just keep going, along. Yeah, I, yeah I wanted to just um, flesh out a point that uh, Simon made. Um, uh, and add to his criticism of the life of Brian, it seems to me that the mistake made by the creators of the film is to um, uh, cari- it's a caricature of Christianity and portrays Christianity as being as dogmatic um, uh, and as intolerant as Islamic fundamentalism. But actually, Christianity, as it then was, was a fairly... Uh, tolerant, undogmatic, uh, quite sophisticated and evolved religion with (laughs) mechanisms for forgiveness um, uh, not too much othering going on of non-Christians and so forth. It had developed, it had evolved. There'd been the Reformation, but by trashing Christianity, by contributing to its cultural demise, it wasn't the only factor. There were many factors, but it was one. It's it's led to a kind of social justice religion, a secular religion to take its place, which satisfies the same human yearnings for that 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 Christianity satisfies. But that actually is a dogmatic intolerant, authoritarian, secular form of religion. So, in effect, they've actually ushered Mm. in precisely the kind of mindless, dogmatic, rule-following, authoritarian religion that they were mistakenly attacking Christianity for embodying. Mm.
0: Right, okay, yes. Um, can I, sorry,
8: can can I, I just add to a that? So, yeah. so, yeah. so I'll uh, 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 be very <laughs> quick. But there was a,
4: a, a long blog post recently by uh, a guy called Scott Anderson, um, Alexander who writes Slate Star Codex. It's a brilliant blog for rational thinking. He looked at the New Atheism Movement, which was at its height roughly in about 2005, Dawkins and Hitchens and so on, God Delusion. And he said, where did that go? And he analysed it, I'll go through this as quickly as I can, but he basically analysed it and worked out that it had, by any metrics he could determine, morphed into the social justice system. Because the New Atheism had left a God-shaped hole in society, yeah. into okay. which rushed all these authoritarian Edicts about, as you say, uh, the various issues which concern, you know, the bio-Leninists and so on. And that is exactly the, the correct point. And you're right to say, of course, it was only one factor. But the irony is, is absolutely visible there now when you see that. But that is exactly what's happened. And that is why it is now harmless and pointless to attack Christianity. And we are now... Very much at the same point that you would have been trying to take the piss out of Christianity in you know, the time of Thomas Cranmer, <laughs> when it comes to transitions.
0: Yes. Quickly, and then I'll carry on. No, I
6: think you covered it, is what I was saying, is that there's a whole been left, and you see it with Trump as well, that people are following Trump because they need to follow someone, and we were, it, it used to be God. It used to be God, yeah, and now we're finding our other... It's finding not a
4: trying to piss no, people who pe- are pissed off with the whole following <laughs> God thing. Trump is very much he's he's fine actually. I mean he's like he's basically just going, Oh fuck it, I'm gonna take over this and run it like a business, i.e. run it into the ground or not, we'll see. But, you know, I don't he, he, is, he is not filling a god shaped hole in anyone's life. He is there for the people who are sick of that. Yeah. He's the antichrist. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, no, sir, you can get that. say your point. Now keep going with the audience for a bit man.
1: Yes, when the film
3: was first released the gonna pretend to have been Prosecuted, but that's for me. When to have, have the balls to make the criminal Monty on the Mohammed today? Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah you. Uh, just kind of three broad
10: kind of question points really. So uh, first one, it's kind of when I watch Monty Python, I, I kind of the, the religious, the Christianity bit is always secondary. I mm, kind yeah. of think it. To me, it's always struck me as a critique of the left.
2: Yeah. In mm-hmm. a set,
10: you know, the, the kind of the fracture of of left wing mm-hmm. politics. Now, I think it's interesting that uh, kind of Simon and Andy you picked up on the kind of dogma aspect, and I kind of think that's a very prescient point about today's kind of political culture. And the kind of you kind of talk about the idea that this is what happens. They're, what they're critiquing is the idea of what happens when <coughs> ideas are taken up by a crowd, misinterpreted, etc. And that's kind of a very dominance, kind of critique of contemporary the political moment at, at this moment in time. So I think there's something kind of unraveled there. But my main question is, and my fundamental question, which does need to be answered, is uh, what did the Romans ever do for us? <laughs>
11: <laughs> I'm to, I'm
0: uh, to I speak <laughs> a whole uh you know a, a whole wonk, <laughs> Rose must fall.
5: Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah you know You're such a nice yeah, boy Just coming back to contemporary comedy,
7: if there's one thing it should be comedy is fearless. Mm. Yes. Uh, yes. Bruce couldn't have given two shits. Who yeah, yeah.
12: Comedians nowadays seem to be very afraid mm. of getting it wrong. I yep.
2: think of comedy on radio, for it's pretty dark. <laughs> yeah. no, no, they will
5: tell you, though, most comics will say um, the money is in the college circuit, and most of them aren't even bothering anymore. They're not bothering. Jerry in Sand- the US, oh, Jerry Seinfeld stopped going. He won't, go, he won't go to the campuses. So, so or Chris Rock. How, how do you yeah. remedy that? Where are the
1: comedians who, who are prepared to say Dave Chappelle. I mean,
12: Dave, Chappelle, the Dave Chappelle, Chappelle, Chappelle,
1: but he has to yes, fuck off money, I think. That's he the problem. Yeah. do we <laughs> 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 Well, th- there, are, there are. I mean, it's
0: not just David Chappelle. I mean, like things like, for example, Ricky Gervais says. Yeah, okay. Are like really. Quite like near the near the knuckle, yeah, he's but he's Ricky Gervais. He's got he's got, uh, he's got a bank account. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's got fuck off money. bill So I think, sorry, sorry, I think part of the answer
3: cards. is I, I think. Oh, yeah. sorry, I think part of the you know it's great if you've got economic independence. You can do <laughs> bloody like you set your own TV station <laughs> if you want. That's fantastic. And some people are in that position. A lot of people aren't. But if you know, you just look back historically. You know, Life of Brian came out around the time of punk. Now all those people who formed punk bands, who wrote all those fanzines created an entirely different fuck off culture Mm. you know you had utter nonsense you had art students you had you know west ham football hooligans you had you know it was across society a whole range of people were just involved in that movement no one thought Oh, well, are they allowing us to do it? Yeah, you know, okay, can I yeah. get on yeah, telling? They didn't give back. a shit. Yeah. yeah, sorry. But I think that's all we... I, you know, I, I, think that, I think there's two things in that. I think one is follow your art, believe in yourself, build your own... And, and Dave, can, if right. I'm sorry, I'm, sorry. Hang on my, oh, I'm sorry. sorry. So I think that's the first thing. and I think, And I think those of us who are in a position to do it, whether it's debates like this or setting up a little comedy club or write an article where who, who who've got the ability to give space to those people and encourage and nurture those people should absolutely do it i'll just give you a little example will franken who's on i think he's on that poster no he's on this leaflet did a did a did a, a, a 23 minute sketch it's called the Greta Thunberg the climate change trans counselling sequence.
2: Right it's
3: not the snappiest of titles, it's 23 minutes long. And I and I checked the YouTube's and it, and and it sort of took off about three weeks ago. And we record we recorded everything in the club and we put it on YouTube. And, stuff. and it and it sort of it took off a few weeks ago. And it's been clocking up 10,000 views a day. It's just clocked up 390,000 views, and it's just been spread around. Now that's just a lit you know. It's just a little example. Sure. But examples. I think you're just going to believe in yourself, go and do it, and just try and make space. Tell And then back out to the audience. Well, I just
5: want uh, to, what Dave was saying, I just want to point something out. In, in America, there's a new ad campaign for Taco Bell. It uses punk rock. It's the most bizarre thing. It's, it's, a, it's a Johnny Rotten look-alike. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pied Piping his way down the road with people carrying Taco Bell bags. And I, I hate commercials for the most part, but this one, I just can't watch. It just makes me want to cry. So that, that sort of puts in perspective, well, we're, we're, all, the, we're all the brave. There's no, nobody's really brave in pop culture pretty much at all. Your point about the misanthropy issue, I think that's what you were saying, about, you know, we, it's not that we don't find it funny. We, there's just the people out there, the plebes, the demos. If they start seeing these things, they might start mimicking these things, and and there is a certain uh, there's a certain point about that, and that's part of what's happening with the colleges. Yes, there there is that strain that says, oh, we can't let people who will be a, who offend our people come in, but there's also above that on an administrative level. You know, if you start if you bring in Cheech and Chong, for example, all of our kids are going to get high mm-hmm. all the time now just because they love them so much. It's gonna they're gonna honor them with that. Um, I, I made a list here of things that we won't see anytime soon ever again. Blazing Saddles, no, no remake coming, okay? The Three Stooges, you brought up Friends. Um, any of the Sean Connery Bond films. I mean, can you imagine a pussy galore in this part? Not to mention a lot of yeah, yeah. vagina, right? Uh, yeah. um, um, any of, the co- any of the stand-ups of Eddie Murphy, who's become really tame and temperate, although I haven't seen the Dolomite film, which it's, I hear is really, terrible. is a no, no, really? Because I Absolutely love Dolomite. Oh, I love oh, Dolomite. Um, Billy Crystal broke as an actor on a sitcom called Soap, in which he was so flaming, he was liable to light the drapes on fire every time he came out on the scene. Um, Dudley Moore did a film about uh, Moses' Twin who got lost to history because of a fork in the river called Holy Moses, <laughs> in, which, in which the best scene was Richard Pryor's cast as Pharaoh. Um, uh, the music of the Rolling Stones, at least back in the day when they were writing things like Stupid Girl and Backstreet Girl and things like that, um, the music of Frank Zappa would never have made it out of the, 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 you know, the, first, the first edits. Um, fighting and Hockey and beauty contests in Mississippi, which fill bars in ways that you just can't imagine on the biggest game days of the year.
0: Yeah. All the stuff about uh, comedy in offence today—actually, comedians pissing and moaning about a Twitter storm—whereas this film got literally banned. You know, I mean, and they—you know—they—they they w- did have to consider whether they would be prosecuted for making this film. Isn't that just a different order of censorship? And actually, should we be grateful that for all the, the problems that we face now and the moaning or whatever, that that isn't that state intervention in what we can and cannot is, see? Yeah.
9: If, if someone could get arrested and prosecuted for making their pub do a Nazi salute, I think
13: oh, yeah. we Right,
0: on. this is yeah. true. This is true, yes. right? Yes. 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 Let's keep going, keep going. And so, yeah. like, it goes back to, um, uh,
13: like, is there anything that's off the table? Is there is there anything that's sacred that we can't like um, make comedy out of? Like, and um, you covered the, the Gosnell film, and like that was like a, a gro- grotesque abuse of women and children, and yet, and um, Dave Chappelle satirises abortion and the whole sort of culture around that.
1: His joke on abortion, by the way, I really like. He makes a great joke about abortion. He says, you know, I'm all about women's right to choose. I'm, a, you know. But you know what? If we're going to let women choose, let's let let's let men choose as well to just walk away from women who are pregnant. And I just thought, you know, he always has. He always has something else going on. Um, and actually the other person who made a great joke about um about abortion by the way was um oh god the guy that got destroyed. I won't think of his name but anyway. But um but thank you for for mentioning that. Actually on the abortion thing, you know that they made a comedy called Obvious Child, a romantic comedy. About abortion.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So
1: that's acceptable though. Okay, right, over here. I, I, I
7: did want to make one more point, but I just, just wanted to point out the the type that I put down here who actually is going to actually talk about briefly was alternative comedy, and they auto-complete on my phone put alternative comedy, and then put unleashed as the next word. No
11: Thank you.
7: Call. Call. <laughs> but I think what's really interesting is one of the things that we've been talking about today is unaddressed, really is that a lot of the comedy that we're talking about that I think Monty Python really put their finger on the pulse of was challenging authority, mm-hmm. Because what we had say from the 1960s through to the end of the 1990s really. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of uh, authorities that previously had never been challenged in the pop culture. So, for instance, I mean, thinking of the sort of various comedies that we have from the UK, we've got things like Father Ted, taking a of religion. We have the New Statement, which I recently re rewatched on a flight of overseas. O- 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 who deconstructs the sort of right wing uh, politics? Um, things like Yesminster, who is sort of, mm-hmm. you know, all of these various things. And what we had previously were gatekeepers in the institutions, but what we have now, weirdly in a strange way, mm-hmm. is that the gatekeepers are part of the audience, mm-hmm. which we haven't had before. And we're allowing very small numbers of people. To shout very, very loudly, and so the gatekeepers are actually amongst us rather than the decision makers. From from what I understand, of people that I've spoken to who work in commissioning, production, and sort of large scale um, television networks, they're they're genuinely afraid of sort of um, offending ad- advertisers. It's not that they don't think that they can't find an audience from it; they're afraid <coughs> because the the revenue models have become so distorted that they're not willing to put themselves put themselves forward.
3: I and mean,
5: yeah. Well, yeah, so I just want to say, I mean,
7: so Frank
3: Zappa was mentioned earlier, I remember seeing a really good um, interview that's worth looking up on YouTube, where Frank Zappa is interviewed about about what happens to the music industry. And he said, when I started, he said, I had all these guys with fat cigars and pinstripe suits. They didn't know anything about music. And they just say, like, that guy seems to be sell records. Fucking book him. Give him an album. Give him a two album deal. And then they book another. And they just let the market decide. Mm. They, they had no, they just said, I just want to make money, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just do this stuff. And then what they did is they brought some hippies in, right? And the hippies like, did the coffee, and then, you know, in a couple of years, the hippies would replace the guys in the suits, they had the feet on the desk, but they understood the youth, they understood how to sell records, they understood. And of course, they did for two years, yeah. and then Punk came along, and then they lost it all. And, and, and Zappa's point was, do you know what? I'd rather have the men with the money. They just yeah. want to make money, yeah. and they'll just pay the artists, like the old BBC commissioners used to do, just say, I don't fucking know. Good, we'll give you we'll give you a series, see what happens. Yeah, that worked, right, we'll do free some market. Series. Free market, let the it's free a pity market though decide. it's a pity though that so Hollywood so, so, so this thing about the you know, I, I actually like that sort of yeah, there's always gonna be gatekeepers. There's always gonna be people who've got platforms and the money and all that sort of stuff. But when it becomes ideological and they're trying hmm. to Reinvent the world in their own viewpoint, and they're being educational, and they're being—you know—they see themselves as much broader role of replacing the church in that role, which you know, BBC commission has sort of seen to do. Is that's what we need to get out of and just and get back to—you know—much happier with money, man.
1: But unfortunately, Hollywood, you know, you'd like to, you know, I'd like to think that Hollywood would just base all of its decisions on money, which I I couldn't agree with you more. (coughs) And unfortunately, they don't. They're happy to have loss makers. So if you think of something like Ghostbusters, which was huge, I took the numbers up earlier today, 616 million. It was massive on a 30 million budget. (coughs) Then they made the one with all the girls. Because of course, we have to do that. Because because why now? But anyway, whatever. They lost 125 million, Sony. And they don't give a shit. They're going to keep doing it because they want to do these woke things. And I think the thing about woke, if you put woke into a piece of art... It's done. It's over. The minute you introduce that, we have to... Uh, have we got all the right people here? Have we got the right number of people from minority... Stop that. Are you making a comedy? Are you making a drama? Just go ahead and do that and make your art and stop with that. The minute you introduce... And the number of examples is crazy. They're losing shitloads of money and they don't care. Yeah, but be
9: careful because a shit film oh. a shit film. Sorry. Sorry, go on. Very, oh, very, very, quick. Quick. very, very quick. A shit film is a shit film. I've, I've, seen, I've watched many, many films who, uh, uh, who star certain funny men. It's been crap. So let's not just generalise sex because it's women. It's not going to be no, fine. No. be fine. Absolutely not. So it's no. not no, no. But it's, no. I'm it's saying it's.
1: Fun. I'm saying it's failing because they go woke. Yeah. yeah. And they make woke the thing. Yeah. They're
0: not. Yeah. They just yeah. make woke the thing. Oh, okay. Right. There's, there's two here. So thank you.
1: Left and then right,
14: yeah, yes. Yes, shout out to Spitting Image, remembers that uh, <coughs> even in the late 80s. Yes. Spitting Image actually was making fun of Islam. They did a, they have a little sort of song at the end, <laughs> and I remember there was called My God is Bigger Than Your God. <laughs> 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 Every single list to make sure they offended everybody. Yeah, and that yeah. was prime time so television yeah. on a Sunday evening in the late 80s It's great. great. I just sort of wondered. Where have we lost that? Because actually, actually that was happening, you know. The prime time wasn't making fun of Islam is in that way. And just a yeah. second point, just in defense, actually, like of Brian. Uh, Christ is played by an actor called Kenneth Collier, at uh, the beginning of the film, briefly appears. He was in another film at the time called The Devils. Both of those films uh, vastly misunderstood. But neither of them was actually directly satirizing Christianity, more about the abuse of power and hysteria.
10: This point. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting that, that the, um, the surviving members of Monty Python have all come out actually recently against the whole work and say about the, you know, the head of BBC comedy saying that six white blokes would never get an opportunity now to, to, to make
0: you know, yeah. comedy.
10: The other thing I'd like to ask is just what they think, what, what the panel thinks of the, of the Simpsons, which to me was always a a reflection of what's going on, and a beautiful sort of satire of modern life. The, 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 the cancelling of a poo, I think, was a, was a big moment. But also the, the, way, the way it's fallen away as a comedy series, it's really lost its way. And I wonder whether that says something about. The current state of, uh, There's a little really bunch good. of people here, mm-hmm.
0: and then I'll bring some panelists back in again. So, uh, Piers, and then the, the two of you. So, for you first. Yeah, um,
12: I'm just on this question of whether the establishment doesn't really. Is the establishment? Because one of you made the point a few minutes ago about how the sort of um, leading Canadians now who are in their fifties or sixties think they're terribly sort of um, you know on message, but actually they're the establishment. Um, I think the objection to them is they're smart. And that the smugness mm-hmm. comes from the fact that they still think they're cutting edge. In fact, they say what everybody else is saying. And I wonder whether that <coughs> is a danger for any form of comedy. Because you've got, you know, Comedy Unleashed, which I've been several times in your it, it has a, it, a lot of jokes, a of the graphism, is, is at people, against people who regard themselves as very righteous and very sort of uh, on messaging. Theory. And, and guardian mm-hmm. writers and so on. But I can imagine a time coming when even that show begins to wear thin, and people start saying, well, yes, it's all very well poking fun of sort of guardian living colonies, but are they really mm-hmm. as bad as all that? Or might they not possibly have a point? Isn't it, isn't it just being a bit overdone? Isn't, isn't it itself getting over smug? And I wonder whether that is likely to happen, or whether there's actually a difference, in this, a difference between comedy that can never go smug,
2: and comedy that's bound to go smug. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
14: Yeah, yeah um, Frank is uh, talking um, at the event today and tomorrow, I think as well. And he talks about fear, the culture of fear, and it's a fantastic thing. And I, I work at universities, and the thing I've noticed the last three or four years, and Toby Young's here as well, I think, is when you ask students to have a conversation and talk, and just talk, just talk to each other about a topic. What I've noticed in the last four years is the decline in them, it, the decline in them being able to do that, mm-hmm. and I do think this is part of this, this, this sort of this comedy thing. Is the, the fear the fear of upsetting? A girl came mm-hmm. up to me last year and she told me at the end of class. I said, "Why don't you talk?" She goes, "I'm frightened because if I say something, I, I could get. If I say something, I, I teach in business. If I say something about marketing and girls' fashion, I'm frightened in case someone's going to criticise me for it." Mm-hmm. I think, how the hell can you talk about marketing and not talk about fashion and trends?
2: So mm-hmm.
14: it's, in the end, it's, it's making it useless because people can't talk. And I just wonder nowadays with this, this whole comedic thing, I think it's quite important because I think it's good, to, it's good to be insulted, it's
0: good to have, take offence. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. OK, there's, I, yeah. there's one hand here and then I'm going to come right along the panel just to so, you can yeah. answer anything you want to. We are we talking
9: about like where are the gatekeepers, who are the gatekeepers. I think what the kind of
3: extreme social justice warriors want to do is to create the internal gatekeeper in our head.
2: Mm-hmm.
9: So that we can't even think a thing, mm-hmm. yeah. never mind say it. Um, so what the great thing about comedy is, like really great comedy, it gives you ideas that you haven't even had before, you know, from mm-hmm. Spike Milligan yeah. onwards. And so if comedy helps us have new
3: ideas, uh, it gives us permission to think and then permission to speak. But so the internal gatekeeper is what we've really got to mm-hmm. look out for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you, you know, I can't even think about that
4: thing because because it hasn't been said. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, so I'll just come along quick points on, on anything. If Simon?
4: Um, gosh, yes, well, there's a lot to respond to there. Um, I, I think people have been sort of hinting towards the, um, the shift of the gatekeeper responsibility, as you say, being dispersed among society generally, but also among the young, which I always find slightly mm. sinister, anyone <laughs> who's read about China will... Um, remember that that can end badly and um <coughs> I have a slight sense that that's where the SJW thing, you know, is particularly unsettling because it is just like rules that were invented yesterday, as Douglas Murray has put it in his Mm. recent book, and I think very accurately. Mm. It was interesting, I I know I'm the only one who's really obsessed by this, but watching Muggeridge on that documentary, on that that interview, fascinated me because at the time, I really did think he was just an old fool, and I've since read into him quite a lot, and he was not an old fool. He was the lone voice standing against the Stalinist outrages in the 1930s when he was sent there by the Manchester Guardian. He was the only journalist out of the whole Western establishment who was willing to speak up and that is fucking terrifying. Yeah. To speak out against Stalinism is a lot more frightening than it is to speak out against Christianity, even in 1979, let alone mm. now. But as people get older, they realise that the temptation <clears throat> to tear down walls just for the hell of it is something that has to be resisted as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that we need to bear in mind before we always... He, he himself said, would you make a comedy about Socrates? Which I thought that was an odd thing, because Socrates, like right, you know, was a product a gadfly by mm-hmm. his own um, estimation, who wanted to provoke people and make them question their, their beliefs and whether they had thought them through or whether they'd simply received them unexamined. But... You know, Margaret himself at that point had obviously accepted that certain truths were best allowed to to settle, as it were, well, rather than be endlessly
3: overturned. Mm. Andy, anything else? You want to say? Yeah, just a, just a um, point about uh, you know, are we at peak uh, uh, taking the piss out of woke? Um, and I, I, it, it is very easy for people to get become stale. So you, you know, you sort of you know it's like that term snowflake which is just awful and it's so lazy so i I think the only defense against it is just don't be bloody lazy but the best test of that is you test it in public so you just need a a place an environment where you can test these ideas in public in an audience that is permissive i mean one of the things we try and do at the club in fact ria coined this term which i thought was brilliant is you know it's not a safe space for anyone it's a permissive space for comedians and it's a place where people can just go and explore ideas. And it doesn't matter what those ideas are. The audience will assume the best intent of the comedian, and the comedian will assume that the audience are not going to choose to take offense because they're so you know, pent up and het up and all the rest of it. Um, and, and sorry, just w- one other thing on, on this thing, this question of social release, which I think is quite interesting. People laugh for all different sorts of reasons laughter is an entirely spontaneous yeah. response to something and and it, it is inherently free <laughs> you, you know if you're scared you don't laugh if you're worried you don't laugh if you you know there are so many situations where laughter is the last thing that you do for a number of reasons you know you are at your freest moment where when you can laugh and when you can laugh with other people it's a, it's a it's a collectively liberating thing one of the things I love about the club it, 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 it's not every night but, it's, but sometimes we'll laugh we'll you know it's like Togilby will be sat next to a bunch of uh, feminists who've come up from brighton who have been called turfs who've been sat, sat next to a bunch of lads who just turned up sat next to a bunch of students who are not political sat next to some left and it's and it's a it's it, it's a it, it's a range of people in society but all who are curious for good comedy. and when everybody laughs together at a joke that actually the target is against some of those people in the audience it's inherently liberating. Mm. It's a it's a fantastic experience, mm. and so I think that social release is is, is really important. And the sort of ha- the interesting—I mean, you mentioned Hannah Gatsby. I, I find utterly irritating, and and, 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 and just—and she buttons me up rather than uh, uh, provides a liberating. But I think that internal gatekeeper. Uh, 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 and that sort of the wish to be offended mm-hmm. is, ju- is just the closing down. It's almost like the opposite of the process of laughter. It's the buttoning down with self-consciousness. Um,
1: um, <laughs> I, 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 think, I think social media has had, is, a real, is a real problem, and obviously we can't put that, put that genie back into the bottle. But it, what, what's really dangerous and horrible, and the reason people are scared is because of deplatforming. And, and losing your job, you know, by the way, and losing a job that you like, you know, if you've managed to get yourself into some nice cosy hole and, you know, you're in the BBC or whatever, and it's just fucking great, you know, and then you lose that. I mean, people lose... I mean, Ireland is an awful example of this, and I, I would advise everyone to go and hear John uh, Waters speak tonight, about this afternoon at 5.30, about Ireland. I mean, Ireland is an awful place. You say some things in Ireland, and they finish you. You're done. You've nowhere to go. Kevin Myers said... He made a joke... He made a thing which was perceived as anti-Semitic. Not among Jews, though. The Jews have no problem with him. The Jews of Ireland all said, we love Kevin Myers. He's finished. He's done. John Waters won't, they won't put him on the radio. They won't, let, they won't let him speak. So people are fearful for a reason. People quite like I mean, if you're somebody with a, be- with a fabulous voice, I mean, you know, with beautiful things to say, you're really funny, you're really creative. It's really scary, you know, that someone could take all of that away from you. And, and you know, on, on top of all, you know, the, and, and Twitter gives outsize, The problem with the social, the social social media, is it gives outsized um, uh, power to very, very, very few people. So the actual analytics, unfortunately, are being, you know, it's not democratic. It's not done like that. They actually do push people up, you know, and push people back. They're arranging things, you know, on YouTube and that. They mightn't have seen what you did on Greta Thunberg, but they might, and then they might just do a thing so that I can't find that. Because for me, it's bizarre that I never saw that. Because back in the good old days, you'd look at something on, on, on YouTube that you really liked and it would bring all the other stuff that's kind of like that mm-hmm. and say, you might like this as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so, you, so then you found an obscure piece of content mm-hmm. So it's very sinister and it's very awful and I would never be, um, I would never be too critical about people who are scared because you know what it isn't nice by the way to come home to a family or to have children and not have and, and suddenly lose your job. I mean it's really shitty and, and to lose the one, the one thing that you love to do. Uh, but people, I go back to Dave Chappelle I mean, I really found, I mean I, I have to confess, I actually didn't know about this guy and I just watched the Netflix thing and it was like oh, and you, I you cannot tell you how offensive the Michael Jackson stuff is. It's off the charts. Can I just tell you one line he says? It's like just off the charts anyone who wants to walk out now this is the moment he basically says you know michael jackson you know what they don't ask they don't ask what the children were wearing <laughs> and it's like and i just thought you see you know it's like I, you know i yeah and then he had a thing about rihanna and what's the guy what's the guy rihanna and chris the, brown chris brown you know you know i said he said somebody told me the other day chris brown hit hit rihanna you know what i said i said what did she do? <laughs> <laughs> and, and you laugh, we laugh, you know? And by the way, I noticed in myself, I don't know, I turned 50, quite a while ago, by the way. But I remember thinking, I don't la- I used to laugh all the time. But maybe I was just an idiot. But I don't know what it is. But people, I don't know, do we laugh as much as we used to? And I, and I miss it. I miss it. Uh, right, okay. Brilliant.
6: Um, can I just ask quickly, put your hand up if you create comedy in the room, or if you're... Okay. Oh, no, we don't want your <laughs> – All right. Now, put your hand up if you are purely a consumer of comedy. Okay. I've been finding this very interesting talk. What we have in the room is people consuming and saying what they want to consume without really – I mean, there's there's three or four of us in the room that have to create it, and people say, you know, Radio 4, Gatekeepers, or Soho, Th- Soho Theatre. Uh, is very much an establishment uh, theater that curates everything that it puts on stage. You can't apply. I can't just say, hey, I've got a show. Do you mind if I put it on? They have to have seen it. Uh, Edinburgh Fringe has to have endorsed it. Uh, it's usually from one of the in-crowd <coughs> establishment agencies. It's actually a very narrow picture of comedy that's out there. I can tell you Will Franken is never going to get on at Soho Theater ever. Uh, the reason that Hannah Gadsby was able to get away with what she did in net, and net is a fascinating piece. If you see it, I think it's also on Netflix. I found it very, very interesting, but not that funny. Um, and most of us, if we presented an hour which had that few punchlines, we would not get it any further. Hannah Gadsby got it that far because of who Gina Hannah Gadsby is. It's kind of this whole fuck off money thing. Um, you tell me one free platform where you can say whatever you want, and we comedians will go there and say whatever you want to hear. YouTube will shut you down. As we know, Count Dankula has been – has actually been prosecuted for what he put on YouTube. Twitter can block you and shut you down. There is nowhere I can put my work where I can – I do not risk being shut down completely, losing my job. Will Franken is a genius, and I think he's been – I don't agree with him politically, but I think he is incredibly funny. He doesn't work very much at all, because the comedy community has gone, you may not work with us. Uh, It I'm afraid this whole thing about gatekeepers is true. If you have fuck-off money, you can say what you like, and you can create what you like. And that's exactly what the Pythons had. They basically had free money from the BBC, because if you look at their entire range of work, a lot of it was shit there were a lot of shit things in there that you just go what was that but they were given the freedom to create and by being given that freedom to create some of the stuff they came out with was absolute genius and that is the that is really we're sitting here discussing should we be more offended or whatever the rest of it it's like no nobody has the freedom to create unless they have fuck off money unless they've been endorsed by the industry to a level where they can then go and and a lot of the boundaries that are being pushed and i'm sorry to bring it up again but you brought it up is soho theater are boundaries I've seen, I've seen. I saw and I and I won't mention names, but I did see an, oh, an ethnic act uh, who went to Oxford complain about being disenfranchised and so being a, <laughs> sh- uh, uh, <laughs> we've both seen oh, so. a particular act that, so that I I'm, I'm sitting I'm I I'm sitting and I'm not and I'm not even gonna say that I'm at the, 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 the bottom end of society, but this year in Edinburgh Fringe we saw that it was so expensive that actually there was a huge shift towards middle class and above comedy and voices. We didn't see the working classes. We didn't see uh, the range of ethnicities or the range of, of, of society that you would want to see at a fringe festival. The Edinburgh Festival is supposed to be fringe and it isn't anymore. It's I'm still paying off I am still paying off five years of doing the fringe and I can't afford to go back because of, of what that means. So when we're talking about gatekeepers and, and who society, it's it's all being controlled. And that is why we're not seeing what you think you want to see. So the moment that you have a platform where no one's gonna shut me down and you were open to it other than Comedy Unleashed, which is why I host there. I mean, Comedy Unleashed, I'm, I'm at risk. I can tell you that right now. I'm at risk of not being booked, and it may be the reason I don't get responses to certain emails from places that I used to work at because I host what is seen to be a right-wing comedy night. And it is, it is not a right-wing comedy. I mean, we had Tony Law there. Last month, it is it is very much a free platform, and I think the only way that I get away with it, if I'm honest, is because I'm ethnic, and that and that that very two-dimensional way of going, oh, but she's ethnic, she can't possibly be right wing because that's not what we see right wing people to be. She isn't gammon, so she can't be. Uh, So I am protected. By my face to a certain amount of sense. But the other thing I wanted to say was that um, we are also in a room full of very highly intelligent people. You're all, I'm quite sure in this room, educated if not by the establishment and by your own reading and by your own research. And you have to remember that comedy has a responsibility. We're not seeing that – and this is – I love Friends as well, but there is a responsibility when you put something out there to think about what am I saying. Whenever somebody even casually just goes, why are you heckling me? Do you have Tourette's? That really upsets the Tourette's community because it's a misunderstanding understanding of what Tourette's is, mm-hmm. and we're not helping anybody by just constantly going, oh, it's a thing where people swear. It is so much more than that. I have two children with autism. I have one kid that, that they have to call the ambulance three or four times a year because he has actual anxiety attacks, not this oh my God, I'm feeling so anxious, and, you know, I need a safe space and the rest of it. Like he actually stops breathing at school four times a year. Um, and And we do have a responsibility with what we're putting out there to, I believe, educate. I'm a huge believer in education. The reason that we are where we are, where people just go students who can't speak to each yeah. other because they haven't been they don't I, I don't want to hear anything that disagrees with what I believe. I don't want to hear any I am upset now. Mm. And my upset is more important than my learning or my growth. Why are you at uni? Like,
2: <laughs>
6: <laughs> you know, all of this. We have a responsibility and that is why um, I found all of those things in friends very funny. But when you get two people that That teach younger generations that oh my god if my face is in your crotch as we escape the roof because we're locked out (coughs) that that's gay I I think that that's below I think that's that's below a level of responsibility Yeah it's funny because you're intelligent but when you get as we said earlier on the panel if what is it I think you said it what is that telling other people to believe or to perpetuate What (laughs) is that telling other people to believe or to perpetuate And I think that the best intel you know that is Part of it, we have to remember that we are responsible for
5: what we say. I want to say that in a minute, right, Joel? Okay. Um, wow. I always followed this. Sorry. <laughs> well, well. right. uh-huh. um,
6: My dad's wife. Does that help?
5: Oh. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank God for that. All right. This, the social release thing is, my, I always make students. I always give them. Okay, we're sitting at table. This is when you, they they ask you what you did today. This is what else, this is the takeaway today. Social release thing. I think is brilliant. When I was 12 or 13, my mother took me to see the, the latest Mel Brooks film because she you know she likes Borshfeld comics. Uh-huh. It was History of the World, which she loved, right until we got to the song and dance called the Inquisition. And mm-hmm. she snatched me up, and we went running out of the She was so appalled by that. Flash forward four years ago, Chris Rock did the Christmas—he was the Christmas episode of SNL, Saturday Night Live. The Freedom Tower had just gone up, and he did an entire monologue that ends with, "If they want me to go up in the top of that tower." they better not put a sunglass hut. it better be the DMV because I 'm not going up there mm-hmm. you know and and he's and it, there were several that was supposed to be funny, but um, the point is they want people to go up in this thing and it looks like a chin sticking out saying, yeah, I dare you to do that again and so there, there was all this fear and then of course the, the for the next week, the press you know was one it, was it too soon to make nine eleven jokes you know is it too soon to make inquisition jokes <laughs> well, um, <laughs> I, I teach a course in the blues and the one thing that you learn about the music people are always asking why are the blues so damn funny because the people that sang that created the genre needed some way to get out of their day out of their yes. day out of their heads it was called laughing to keep mm-hmm. from crying mm-hmm. you know sometimes if you don't laugh you're going to break down weeping I think yeah. You know, the whole notion of the social release is really great. There's also been a lot of talk about this new McCarthyism. I have a hard time with anything that's a new something old. Because that suggests it sort of smells like it, it has some characteristics, but it's not quite there yet. You know, it's like it's half the calories in the old McCarthyism, but, but just, as, just as, as potent. I think the young woman sitting behind Carlton actually put her finger on something really interesting. I mean, is this real, are things really that, this bad? I have been studying social and cultural trends over the, you know, the course of the last 500 years, my entire career. And I can tell you, the one, thing, the one thing that history has taught us is that the minute we hit rock bottom, then the opposition starts to rise up and changes the things. You know, Dave, you're right. Snowflake is really lazy. You know, I, I'm starting to think that the whole woke thing is really lazy. If we start, if we start naming things, it's why you don't name the stray you brought home, <laughs> hoping that somebody will will, will pick it up. And, and because if you name it, it becomes real. And we start naming all these things, and we start making these things real. And all they are is a trend. It's a trend in yes, we don't. It's a really nice thing to not to want to offend people, but at the expense of what? There is so much eye-rolling going on i can't imagine this is anything we're going to look back on this in twenty years and this was a blip in time that this this attack on creativity this you know because really good people who really like to be entertained and who really like to say what's on their mind won't put up with this shit for much longer i think it it really comes down to that
0: okay right
5: that specific question i
0: wanted to throw at you which is the point that ria Basically, I was talking about okay, freedom of speech, free expression, creativity, but do you have to be a dick? Basically, you know, do you have to like the so the reaction to the Ola Falafel fringe joke winning thing, you know, about I'm always thinking about, Brussels, you know, broccoli and cauliflower. I think I've got florets. Um, <laughs> I don't think it's the greatest joke in the world I have to say, but anyway, uh, and you know there's there's supposed to be supposedly a backlash to rets people about that joke, um, but there, there was, do you, you know, other other places where you think yeah, I could go there, I would just demand the right yeah. to go there. Well, actually, I don't think you should go there. Uh, is that something that comedians do should I, ever think about?
2: No,
7: I could
2: never think so.
0: Alright okay it's it? Yeah,
7: okay. yes um so going back to friends okay it was fascinating it was all deconstructed when it went on to netflix and i have to say i thought the one thing about friends that looking at it again i did find a bit icky was actually the whole fat monitor <coughs> thing
2: yeah
7: um because it, it wasn't very funny and it was quite cruel
0: yeah
7: but the rest of it
0: it's brilliant. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. Oh, no, I was like,
10: yeah. Just, just on, I think that the responsibility thing is quite an interesting kind of question because it kind of raises that: what is the relationship between the artist and the audience? In the sense, I think, kind of, if you're going to go there, you have a responsibility to go there properly yeah. and unpack it, contextualize it, and take. The shit that comes back at you for going there. Yeah. You, you know, it's it's because it, I, I think kind of the actual snowflakes are the comedians mm-hmm. in a lot of this discussion because the, the comedy club. In this is a really good example of this and where the establishment is mm-hmm. and who the, the comedy store in Glasgow. There isn't. No one, word. Of,
6: which club are you mean specifically? The,
10: the, the comedy store.
6: There isn't stand. one. The stand. Oh, the stand the sorry. Rotunda, sorry. Yes. The, the stand. The stand. The, the, stand.
10: Okay. The, the stand in Glasgow has a sign on the wall. Which says, "Do not heckle the comedian." Oh, wow. <laughs> and you think, "What's the, point what's of the, of the fucking point <laughs> kind of coming you know, <laughs> here?" <You're laughs> you know, it's. <laughs> I, I, I find that really that, that, that comedy is no longer that conversation. Comedy is the interaction between the audience, mm. and it's only funny if people laugh at it. And if the, nobody laughs, you're not a comedian.
2: Mm. You know, and
10: that's that's. If you're going to go there, you have to go there. And you have to go there well and with skill and with structure. There are no taboos, but if you're going to go there, you have to do it. And
5: properly. you can't cry if it blows up your no. face. No. Okay. Okay. So there's a, there's a hand down there? Yes, you go. Yes, uh, I just wanted
0: to say in response to the fellow jo- um, board gentleman over there, when you say about using terms
15: like <laughs> snowflake and low, I have to disagree. I think we're living in a really insane, crazy time. And I'm pretty pessimistic about what's happening with the culture. I think we have to name our enemies. We have to fight this intelligently. Um, I'm not talking about hot using violence, but this this crap is, is, is insane. Mm-hmm. I come from a hippie leftist 70s background where we fought for anti-racism, anti-homophobia, anti-this, anti-that. And I am just shocked at this woke culture. And I think we need to know our enemies. And we need to... There's nothing wrong with saying something. I say it all the time. Every time I say it on Facebook, I lose 20 friends. I don't give a shit. You know, we, I think... I, I'm, not, I'm not as positive as you about it. I think if we're not careful, this culture will take over. It's Stalin-esque. It's actually controlling people's minds. It's like the guy over there who said about full control, the gatekeeping is in the mind. Look at the guy, the guy who did the translit Limerick um, last year or whenever it was. And the police actually turned up and said, yeah, yeah. you need to check your
2: thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 it's bullshit. We need to be really on the case of this stuff because it's taking over. It's taking
0: over the media, it's taking over politics. You know, it's insane. hand there then a hand there. <laughs> Well,
14: one thing, one thing that I think has only just been touched on uh, uh,
4: today, which sort of reinforces that point, is that we don't necessarily understand who the enemies are. I think YouTube was, was mentioned. Um, but I think it was Douglas Murray said, you know, guess what happens when you key something like pictures of straight white families into Google? And you, know, you get these pictures back, of sort of multi-ethnic families and you know and, and, and two men you know with some children around, uh, around you. and you know here we are thinking that Google is somehow some kind of, of, of neutral search engine that will give you back what you asked for mm. putting straight straight black families and that's what you get <laughs>
0: Uh huh. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
9: yeah just was a, so Pisa, there was a question.
4: Uh-huh. Sorry, I think it was Jordan Peterson
9: who said that. That might have been Jordan. There was a question earlier. Are there some subjects you shouldn't joke about? Surely, just like it's comedy. If it's funny, <laughs> then then it's a joke, and then it's okay so to joke about. Surely you can <laughs> joke about any subject whatsoever, <laughs> so. as long as you're funny and hopefully, ideally, thought-provoking and interesting and fresh <laughs> as well. So any bad. subject. You're
7: constructing what you find funny. Sometimes you might find something funny, but it
8: might actually be inappropriate
0: to find funny, and it's okay to... Okay, that's getting all a bit free-for-ally now. So I'm going to take you, sir, you, sir, there, and then... Well, yes, we'll keep going So,
16: yes. So, um, is anybody here below 25 years old? Yeah exactly, very few people, So that's my point, that's, yeah. that's Ages, my point, because I grew up watching a lot of English comedy, Python changed the way I think, and right now I feel threatened as a comedian to crack jokes the way I used to, because um, I tried to make some videos back back home and there was a big backlash because people didn't find them appropriate. There were some people who just said, oh my God, amazing, somebody's telling the truth out loud, some other... So this is a big issue, and I think um, that, to answer your question, can we, can we joke about everything? Um, very good point, that you need to think about about it. I totally agree with that, but on the other hand, I also say that I will use a quote from Hermann Hesse, who says that you know the reason we are serious and right now Seriousness is something really important and we all need to be serious and vigorous and, and that's the greatest virtue. It comes from a misconception about time. We don't have time to be serious. Life is one second and we only have time to love.
0: Okay, right. Super quick points. Do, do, and then you, and then that's it. But really be okay. brief.
16: Sort
8: of extending on your point is as, as society evolves, uh, particularly with certain civil rights movements, does there come a time where it's inappropriate to feed into the prejudices of those historical um, yeah, movements that we we come through and above?
0: Uh-huh. Yep. Uh, not to be contrarian, but I wondered
5: if any of um, or any of you guys have actually have an example of a, a woke comedian that was actually funny, that actually
3: that is funny, even though it's woke, that'd be super interesting to be if anyone's
0: Actually, <laughs> 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 Right, but the, the last words. Stuart sure Lee's uh, <laughs> life, Isn't that a huge yeah. <coughs> <You know, coughs> like, one? Like, I like, was
2: like, very um, like, can we
13: go too far? Or is it fair enough? Like, like, the, the value of comedy is so important. Like, it's like the, the emperor has no clothes. Like, like, comedy has a huge... Um, value in society, it's really important, like our comedians are, like going back to the, 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 uh, the Sun King in Louis Court, like the, 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 the jester was the one who was able to make a political point about something. Like comedic comedy is so important, so it, maybe there is a responsibility not to go too far and not to offend, and maybe there's a responsibility to, to say it, and, and to mm. do it in a way that satirizes it, and, 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 and people aren't too sure whether you're serious or not. But to say it, to say
0: it anyway. Right, okay, right, I'm going to have to bring the panel back in again. Now, panel, you've only got like a minute each, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> lots of things have been said, we've, you know, we've all said things, you know, we regret. No. Uh, so, um, so, just like, you might even want to just crazily answer the question that's in the, in the title of the session. Are we more easily offended today, but anything else, just in one
5: minute, who would like to start
4: uh okay, short okay. Short yeah.
5: um the only thing I can think of and and I <clears throat> I don't think that's what I was saying what I was saying was don't don't get caught up in the labeling and just fight the fight you know you can identify them by pointing your elbow spitting whatever you don't have to give them <laughs> names I'm always buoyed by the the civil rights activists you know who used to say if they're not shooting at us we're just not talking loudly enough and you think about that, and this was not just a metaphor. They were really being shot at. And every time somebody shot, they just broke out the new megaphone. And they just kept hammering and hammering until there was no other place to go. That This is not just about comedy. It's like Rob says, are we more offended now than before? And, and if the answer is yes, then we have a responsibility to grab our own megaphones. Right, Ria.
6: I don't think we're more offended than we were before. I just think more people have a voice to be heard about how they feel. Uh, there are two types of people. There are people who listen to comedy and with their – they think it, and there are people who feel it. And I think it's it tends to be the people who feel it first react to a word, you said rape, but I'm at the seed, or whatever, you know, That um, <laughs> just as an example. But people who, who feel before they think are the ones that, that we're combating versus the ones who think and then feel. Uh, and and the answer is 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 as I said before. In my personal opinion is to be responsible and intelligent with it, uh, because that you know Frankie Boyle gets in trouble all the time for his jokes, but he has been able to defend every single one in court. Because when you get down to it, if you're really going to analyze it, he can tell you who the butt the butt of the joke was, and it was never who the people who were offended thought it was. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so. thank
1: you. Um, um, I just, I, I just think that we're, you know, it feels like we're talking about the death of free speech. I just think that, I think that it should be an absolute. It should be an absolute, and there shouldn't be anybody going to court for anything that they said, that they just said. People should be allowed to say everything. There's something really freeing in that. And 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 where there isn't that free speech, there won't be debate, and people won't learn things, and people will get stupider. And I did want to add that's very important that. It's not just Ireland. Ireland wasn't the only place that banned it. It was, it was Norway, Singapore and Italy. And I have one thing to say about Singapore, I have no respect for Singapore, um, because I was in Singapore, and do you know what's against the law in Singapore? It's against the law to spit in Singapore. And do you know what? That was me done for, because I've never wanted to spit, but I wanted to spit then. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Andy. I, I think, it,
3: you know, are there any jokes that you can't say? Are there things you, you know, don't get? This, you know, how responsible should we, should we be? I think the, the thing is, we all have prejudices. So we judge each other all the time. I, I'm making assumptions about everyone I'm looking at in the room right now. And they are prejudicial. They are, are making... Bastard. Look, um, you know,
7: that's life.
3: We are human. We're based on real experience. Now over time... Think you, know, you are all individual. We're all individual. I'm oh, no. That's very good,
4: that's very good. I think, my final comment would be that we may be panicking too much about, you know, the, the, the terrible state in which everything is. I think a lot of terrific comedy is being made. Somebody asked there, are there any funny woke comedians, and you said Stuart Lee. He's very funny. He is very funny, and he's not the only woke comedian or certainly left-identifying comedian who is uh, himself identifying the issues in his own comedy, mm-hmm. and he is he is exploring the degree to which his own ego rubs up against his determination to be right on. There's another comedian by the name of phil wang who also explores and takes the piss out of it while himself being a uh, a man of mixed racial or ethnic diversity within himself and, and and sort of exploring all those but there is lots of self-aware comedy coming out from the younger generation about these issues and the pendulum swings back and forth the Hayes code didn't come into hollywood until like 20 years after they've made some extraordinarily raucous and sexy films and comedies and and romances and so on and then there was a degree of censorship Dennis Muir and uh, sorry, uh, Dennis uh, Norden and Frank Muir wrote some of the most brilliant radio comedy at a time when you couldn't even say the word knickers to get a laugh, you know? If you think we're getting more offended by things now, in the 1940s and 50s, you weren't even allowed to suggest that people slept together after they were married in a sitcom, because that was considered to be too offensive. So we can get far too hysterical about the death of comedy. And it's not a comedian's responsibility to push the boundaries, or to be brave, or to go out there. It's a responsibility to be funny, and a lot of people do that, very gentle, unoffensive, and non-controversial territory, and that's fine because you know the release of comedy doesn't have
0: to be we've all been thinking it and somebody's finally said it you know there's <laughs> plenty to be in life. You know, just a good <laughs> pun now and again yes. <laughs> okay. can we thank our panel right now don't go anywhere don't go anywhere should we stand the the, the here's your song sheets this is—it's you know, very easy to get down. So imagine us all on crucifixes. Let me pass. There's 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 danger. There's a danger with there's a danger with this kind of thing that you can over rehearse it. So to make sure that we have don't over rehearse it, we haven't rehearsed it at all. So. I think Simon is going to sort of read the the opening bit and then we'll be led by Ria in the song itself. Good luck, everybody. Simon.
4: Some things in life are bad. They can really make you mad. Other things just make you swear and curse. When you're chewing on life's gristle, don't grumble, give a whistle. And this'll help things turn out for the best. And... Always look on the bright side of life
2: Always
11: look on the bright side of life If life seems jolly rotten, there's something you've forgotten And that's to laugh and smile and dance and sing When you're feeling in the tops don't be silly chops Just burst your lips and whistle, that's the thing Always look on the bright side of life (coughs) Always look on the right side of life For life is quite absurd and and death's the final word You must always the curtain will bow. Forget about your sin if the audience agree Enjoy it it's your last chance anyhow and always look on the bright side of
2: death
11: <laughs> Just before you draw your terminal breath Life's a piece of shit when you look at it
2: Life's a laugh and death's a joke, it's true You'll,
11: You'll see it's all the show, keep on keep laughing, on as, the keep on laughing on as you go If anything left to last, nothing for you, you. And always look on the bright side of life Always look on the bright side of life Come on, Brian, cheer up Always look on the bright side
7: of life
11: Always look on
2: the bright side of
11: life (laughs) <laughs>
2: you happen to you know. happen always look
0: thank you for listening to hear more of our podcasts and subscribe to them visit academyofideas.org.uk/podcast